And uh, one of the hardest things for me when I received the Lord was to think that there was purpose for my life that God wanted to use me because I knew the kind of life that I've led. Now, I do know all of you in, in the sanctuary right here now. How many of you realize that you lived a life quite differently than you're living right now before Jesus came into your life? And that in my life, there was a, a, a transition uh, that wasn't taking place. <laughs> and the transition was, I could not see what I was hearing for me. Uh, my, my beautiful wife, Pam, uh, when I first got saved, and we're going to go to the book of Habakkuk, uh, chapter 2. Uh, my beautiful wife, Pam, when we first got married, uh, had more faith in me than I certainly had. And uh, she said, I, I, I take your prayer journal, go down, so, go somewhere, and just pray and write down what you believe God is speaking to you and that, you know, God's going to take care of us and God's going to uh, show us the plan for our life. And I thought, that's silly. I'm a businessman. I know how to take care of things and make a plan, go one through five and, and, and work hard and make it all happen. And so I'd go down to that river and I'd pray. And, and, and it, it took me a long time to really understand the rhythm spiritually of praying, understanding, uh, getting your prayer journal out and writing it down. And, and I want to share with all of you, because we're going to be talking about your prayer journal tonight and the Word of God. Uh, it, it, when I'm around people, uh, especially since God really gave me this message, I'll ask them, you know, hey, how's your prayer journal? Are you using your prayer journal? I still got a lot of people who just kind of shake their heads and say, eh, not really. If you do not form good habits, you will form bad habits. And so we all need to discipline ourselves to form a habit that God would have us form and I'm not trying to compliment myself but but my one of the habits that I have developed and it works for me is the first thing in the morning and when I say first thing in the morning I don't mean early <laughs> the first thing in the morning when I get up I want to get out that door and get alone with God and my prayer journal and my Bible and I want to hear what God wants me to hear it's more important for me to hear what God wants me to hear than me telling God what I want him to do, even though I do pray and I, and I ask God to do things that I believe is in line with what his will is for my life. And I encourage all of you, you've got to do that. Otherwise, you will get on, uh, you'll get into a routine where this is just another day. And uh, what we've got to understand and have a revelation of is that God has a purpose for your life. So let's all say this. God has a purpose for my life. While we're getting into, uh, while we're getting into Habakkuk, uh, I always like what Billy Joe used to say. Uh, it's really Habakkuk, but some people say Habakkuk, so I don't know. I think it's Habakkuk. But I want us to pray for uh, my friend, uh, Bill O'Brien's uh, friend, uh, Denny, uh, Denny, um, <laughs> I, I I started to say Denny Fisher. That's Bill's brother, Denny Cooper. Uh, Denny is having surgery, possibly still in surgery, uh, in, in Austin, Texas. We're believing for this surgery to accomplish everything that God's will is. So, Father, we thank you that the surgery uh, has already begun, perhaps already finished. Uh, but we pray in Jesus' name that you guided and are guiding that surgeon if they're still in process and that everything that needs to be accomplished 
according to your will and your plan is going to be accomplished in Denny. And that Denny's going to live a long, healthy life. We thank you for it, a quick recovery in Jesus' name, and just give peace and comfort to his wife, Jan. In Jesus' precious name. Love you guys. Love you guys. So, we're going to talk about Habakkuk because uh, God has a purpose for our life. And the minute we recognize that, we can move into a different area of our life to accomplish His plan and His purpose. So, let's read what it says here. And this is the word of Habakkuk. The Lord answered. Habakkuk had cried out to the Lord and he wanted to, wanted to hear from God. And sometimes that's just what we want to do and need to do. We need to cry and hear out from God. I don't know about you, but I have a very strong will. Uh, would you say that, honey? My wife is sitting on the front row just adoring the message tonight and, uh, uh, w- and, and the messenger. Uh, uh, would you say I have a very strong will? And for good or for other. And uh, it's good to have a strong will, but the will has to be yielded to the will of God. And apparently that was what Habakkuk was crying out to God to hear from God. And God answered and said, Write the vision and make it plain on the tablets that you may run with it, whoever reads it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will come to pass. Basically, that's what it says. And it says that though it tarries, though it doesn't really come as quickly as you'd like for it to, don't be concerned. Wait on it because it will come. It will come. Then it says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. So we appropriate our faith in what God is showing us based on the Word of God and based on the prayer journal that you have that is the vision that God has for you. Now sometimes we can get caught up in, in the words uh, that, that um, are in the Bible that we put to modern day terminology like a vision, uh, this thing that is just whatever, a big mosaic picture of all of the things I'm going to do in my life. One of the definitions of vision is divine communication from God to us. Divine communication of God to us. So it isn't this completed thing of you're going to be all of these things and end up like this and all, although it could be. It just means that God speaks to us on a regular basis and gives us glimpses of what we are going to become. And so then if you don't have a full vision like some people talk about, don't think you're not hearing from God. God is going to give you his communication, the vision that he has for you on a regular basis. He will never not tell you what he wants you to know today and tomorrow and the next day. But this is what happened in my life. I began to tell God what I wanted him to do for me that really was a good thing that would bring glory to him, but it was I hadn't heard from him. I was trying to get God to work for me, and God was trying to get me to work for him. And that what we've got to do is understand that we are on, once we're saved, we're on assignment from God. And, and I know this sounds silly to you, and I know you've all heard it before, but when I first got saved, the first scripture that I really got, it was short, so I could memorize it. If, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's all I needed to hear. 
I tell you what, I took my business background, I took my one through five, and I thought, God, <laughs> you've got me and I've got you, and do I have a list for you? Number one, I want to be out of debt. Number two, I want a Lincoln Continental. Number three, I started telling, it was like Christmas for me. I was giving God my Christmas list of everything that I wanted. None of it really worked out the way I thought it would, but it all did work out the way God had planned it. And God is in charge. Everybody say, God's in charge. Now, let's all make this confession. You at home do that. I saw some of you didn't say that last time. I want you to say what I'm saying because I got my spectrometers on. Let's all say, I am on an assignment for God, and my life is not mine. It's God's. So when we get that revelation, then everything that we do is you need to get a bigger smile. Oh, there you go. It's right there. Okay, now. That last one was a frown. My wife, it looked like she had a frown on her face. And I thought, oh, glory to God, what am I doing wrong? And I keep that smile just like that. When I go like this, that means she's not smiling. Okay. And, and so she's smiling now, so I'm ready to go. So <clears throat> what we do then is we realize that there is something for me to fulfill that will bring glory to God. And I, I almost feel like crying when I say that. I could never see myself doing what we have been able to do for the glory of God. Never. Uh, I never felt adequate in Tulsa. I never felt like I deserved the things that God was doing and the doors that he was opening. But then God spoke to me and said, I, I, I'm not looking for your abilities. I'm just looking for your yielding to my spirit to do what I've called you to do. And once you do that, every day is a new day of not trying to figure out the world problems, of trying to just say, God, what do you want me to hear today? What do you want me to do today? And everything else will take care of itself. We are not out to heal the world. We are not out to take care of all of mankind. We are out to fulfill our God-given assignment. And so in Habakkuk, uh, uh, when, you, when you study that, the, the word purpose is the reason something is created for. The reason something is created for. In other words, purpose. You look it up in the dictionary, you look it up in the Greek, it's the reason something was created for. So we are created for a purpose, and purpose produces passion. And as I heard this in my spirit, I thought about the government program, that PPP. Uh, this is a better PPP. Everybody say, this is a better PPP. Purpose produces passion. And until you find your purpose, you can fake passion, but you can't have passion. Passion is just going to run out of your gas tank because you're not going to be passionate about something that is not your purpose. But once you get into involved in your purpose, then you're going to be excited about it. I'm excited about the orphanages of the world. I'm excited about the children of the world. I'm excited about helping Pastor Stanley. Talk to him today. And they're one of the buildings, our building, our first building that was beautiful at the moment when it was built, and then Stanley kept it over there in 2008, I think it was. It was 2008 or 2009. And, and last time Brad and I were there, and I said, Stanley, please tear that building down. It looks terrible. He said, nope, that shows where we came from to where we are today. Just talk to him today. The building fell down. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> the building fell down. He got a report from him, and he's got the pieces. So maybe he'll send us a piece of the original building. But the buildings go all going there. It had her name on there, Victory Christian Center. And then it had all these other buildings looking so nice and all. I could just picture walking by saying, boy, Victory Christian Center doesn't have much money. But we did. We had $12,000. But I remember at that time, 
when we set the orphanage up for, I think it was the first time, it was 12 people. And, uh, and then when we got over there and saw the need and just would sob and cry, all these children everywhere, this is just a glimpse of what's going on all over the world. Children everywhere. And with wars and rumors of wars and everything that's coming, there are going to be more children. And I really felt overwhelmed, like what difference is this going to make? We're taking care of nine children, uh, now 12, now 20, now 30, now 135, all these kind of things. But I felt like the Lord showed me the story of the little boy in this, in this uh, sand dollar, t tossing them back in. And the man came by and said, what are you doing? I'm saving sand dollars. And he said, you can't save all these sand dollars. He said, no, but I can save this one. We can save lives of people that we're assigned to. And God will bring them across our path. And there's something that God has for us that will just hit our spirit. And it'll be, that's it. That's the passion. That way, we won't necessarily say it like that. But that's my purpose. That's my purpose. And then your purpose produces the passion. And then it's what you think about all the time. All the time. So what we're going to do now. We're going to be moving forth with another orphanage in the Nuba Mountains. We feel like we know how to do it now and what it's going to cost. Everything that God calls you to do is going to cost somebody money. It's going to cost finances. But the good news is the guy we work for has got a big bank. And God has a big bank. And he'll supply every need that we have. And I watched him do this. And, and a lot of people, you might say, well, what, what are we talking about? You and, and the orphanages and the orphans of the world? Or are we talking about my, pur my purpose in life? We're talking about your purpose in life. But your purpose in life will take you beyond where you are today. You don't have to pay for God's purpose. Everybody say, I don't have to pay for God's purpose. All you have to do is enter in and move toward it, and God will take care of the rest. Two scriptures I love. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. We saw him supply all of those needs. Now we're going to see him supply another $30,000, $40,000 for the Nuba Mountains. Then we're going to see another supply, and then we're going to see another supply. As you draw down on the supply, and what I feel in my spirit is like a, a, a well. Uh, I, I don't know if you've ever been on a farm. You were raised on a farm. You have a pump, and, and when you prime the pump, and you get it primed, and you keep it primed, the more water that comes out, the more water that comes up, because I don't know how technologically how it works, but it, it's forcing the water that's already there out. Once we start giving, we're forcing the pressure that's already there from heaven to come out and to flow down. And so therefore, the more we plant, the more God is going to bless us in that area for the future so that we can do more and more and more. Now, you all know the story, it went from 12,000 to 15. 50,000 to 70,000, and now I'm believing for 100,000. And I believe that once we get that 100 in place, we'll start replenishing it as we get it out and get it planted. Now, to say all this, to say this, most people, when God begins to show you His purpose, you stop and try to figure out how you are going to do what He's showing you to do and how you are going to pay for it. God's going to show you how to set up the mechanisms and position yourself, but God is going to pay for it. God's going to take care of every purpose that he has called us to. So let's all say it, you at home. God will take care of my purpose if we do what God has called us to do. And this is so important. 
Now, what, we've, what we need to do in Proverbs 29 and 18, in the King James, a lot of you have newer versions, and it, it talks about restraint and all sorts of stuff. But basically, in Proverbs 29 18, it says in the King James Version, without vision or communication from God, my people perish. Now, that word perish, you know, we can put any kind of definition you want in there, but it means my people fall away. I believe this is what it really means. Without vision and communication from God, my people fall away from my plan. They just start doing something, and they do it, and they do it, and they do it, and they do it, and that's it, and they never fulfill the plan and the purpose that I have for their life. I am amazed at how God can use people with very little to give, and I know that I'm one of them. And uh, I've watched people like Billy Joe Doherty and other people. Billy Joe Doherty said, I was qualified to be a, uh, a school teacher and a, track, and, and a, and a basketball uh, uh, a coach. And, uh, and God sends him to really influence the entire world. Walking on that basket, uh, football field one day with a scholarship, uh, star athlete, and, 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 he, and all of a sudden he sees this vision. And it's like, his life is passing before him. And it says, you can have everything that you have here, or you can have what I have for you. And he walked away from that scholarship. He walked away from an education that was paid for. I remember the story he told about uh, his football coach. I think his name was Rocky, if I'm not mistaken. And he said, I went to tell Rocky that I was going to uh, go to Oral Roberts University and pursue the things of God. And he said, and he, said he couldn't understand, and he was kind of upset with me for doing that. People may not understand our purpose, but you know what you're hearing from God. Now, let's all say this, and you at home say this, I know what I'm hearing. Now you have to sort through it sometimes, and the longer you walk with God, the easier it's going to be. You have to sort through the voices that you hear, or the devil can try to trick you, and people can try to influence you. One of the biggest challenges you'll ever have is with people. I believe not the devil. I believe it's going to be people. And uh, people trying to take you down the wrong path and all of these kind of things. Not so much because they're trying to do bad. It's because they're trying to protect you. Uh, what is a, a proper, a proper uh, 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 a popular saying? In a, uh, don't get your hopes up. That is absolutely contrary to Scripture. People who tell you that are not bad people, but that's contrary to Scripture. Uh, hope never disappoints. So we keep our hopes up at all times. So without communication from God, my people fall away and they'll start pursuing the wrong thing. Now, two, two lifelong questions that I believe you have to answer all the time. Uh, I ask myself these questions a lot myself because sometimes uh, you hear me talk about never getting discouraged. <laughs> Sometimes I am really discouraged. I really am. I feel discouraged. I feel like and now all discouragement is a lack of courage. I'm not going to stand up here and preach it like I'm discouraged. No, I'm going to tell you that it's wrong to be discouraged. We all get discouraged, but if we keep plugging into our purpose with a passion, discouragement's going to go, and we're not, we're, not going to, we're not going to be looking at what's going right. And these are the two lifetime questions that you need to constantly answer. What has God told you to do? What has God told you to do and the second one are you doing what God has told you to do now I stand amazed at my former days when I used to counsel people nobody wants to counsel with me anymore and that's all right I don't miss it a bit but I would it was amazing to me I sit down with people and I talk to them 
and I say, you know, what do you really feel God's showing you? They told me. I say, are you going to do it? Well, I don't know. Now, I think that's the dumbest person in the world. <laughs> Aren't you glad you're not up here? I mean, think about that. If you know what God has told you to do, and then you say, well, I don't know if I'm going to do it. I, that's not too smart. Paul said, I desire you not be ignorant. I, Paul, there's a lot of people that are ignorant that I have ministered to and tried to talk to and say, all you got to do to fulfill your purpose in life is do what God said. Let's all say this. All I have to do is do what God said. Now, this actually happened one day. I was sitting in a, uh, an office in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Pastor Doherty had sent a man to see me that needed counseling. And he said, would you counsel this man? Sometimes you just need to let people bring out what's in them. And I met the man, shook his hand. We sat down in my office, and I said, I said uh, you know, tell me what's going on. He told me everything that was going on. He talked for almost an hour. Told me everything that was going on. Told me everything that he should do. And then he looked at me and he said, I can't believe how much you've helped me. This has been amazing. I never said a word other than just tell me about yourself. He told me everything about himself, good, bad, ugly, what he should do. And then he said, I know what to do and gave me all the credit. And I said, we're going to give God all the glory. I never, ever said a word. I believe people have it in them. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your spirit man is in communication with God, whether you let it rule your life or not. You're being downloaded information from God. It's like your computer, laptop. I'm way out of my expertise now. But that thing is downloading stuff all the time. But if you're not paying attention to it, it doesn't do you any good, but it's downloading all of the time. I know sometimes I go to bed at night and my cell phone says, I'm going to download X, Y, Z, Q, P, V, O, K. I think I'm sure happy for that. <laughs> I will sleep better or something like that. You know what I'm talking about. Now, what has God told you to do? And then what are you going to do? Now, Jesus is always our example. And we're going to get to that in a minute in John chapter 5, 30 and John chapter 6, verse 38. But when I first got into this, uh, I, th I thought God needed my abilities, my tremendous abilities of uh, being in the military, being a Marine Corps veteran and being a businessman, even though they failed, uh, being a businessman, and uh, being a management person at Penny's, and being an uh, entrepreneur in the restaurant business, and God, we got it made. You got me now on your side. And God proceeded to let me fail at everything I touched after I got saved, after I found out some of the words, after I tried to use the words. And I found out the hard way that God wasn't so interested in what I had to give him. He was more interested in me knowing what he wanted me to do so that I would serve him and let him show me what to do that would bring him glory. I see a lot of people today, they haven't got that. They don't understand the miracle working power of God. That it's not about us, it's about him. It's all about you when Jesus came to get you saved. But once you get saved, it's all about him. 
It's all about our assignment that God has for us. And I'll never forget this example because it's so important to me. Terry Henshaw used it just recently in a service out in Tulsa, and I think I even used it a few weeks ago. But I was ministering in Lima, Peru, and basically uh, just talking to a large group of people there and said, you know, how many of you, you know, you know God has shown you what to do, but you're just not doing it. There's something to that effect. wasn't exactly what I shared with you here. And uh, every hand went up. And uh, I said to the interpreter, say it again. And every hand went up again. I said it a third time. I think we said it three or four times. And finally, it was just like, wow. And Terry said that that changed his life. Well, it did affect my life, too, because later on, I realized how many people in the body of Christ, I'm not talking about those that don't know the Lord, in the body of Christ are not doing what God told them to do. God loves them. They're bound for heaven. Uh, you know, uh, the, it's not, it's not that, that, that God is going to do something bad to them, but they'll never be fulfilled. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about when I say you're not fulfilled. In other words, you're doing something uh, out there in Tulsa. Uh, at the time when I went to Tulsa, I was working in an employment service as a manager. And, <laughs> and I remember I remember, had a, had a plush office. I had everything you'd think I want uh, up there and found a great church and beautiful wife and family and had this beautiful office and all this and nothing was happening. And one time I was working with this one person and the commission alone on, on this guy was $4,000, I think. And uh, within probably 20, 30 minutes, I was able to place him and help him out. And, and $4,000. And it meant nothing to me. Was, there was no satisfaction, no purpose in my life. And I, before, I would have been screaming, yelling, jumping up and down. $4,000 commission and 20 minutes worth of work. Nothing was satisfying whatsoever. It's because I hadn't had my, found my purpose, and then I hadn't found my passion. And back to that situation in, in, in Tulsa, Terry said it changed his life because it, it, it caused him to open his spirit to the Lord of things in his life too. How much do I really love God? Am I really going to serve God and be everything that God wants me to be, or am I going to take control? It's kind of like, um, mm, thank you, Lord. It's a great example. It's kind of like cruise control on your car. I am blessed by God. I never got the Lincoln Continental, but boy, I got something I love better. Uh, God has really blessed me. And, uh, and, and it's not just my car. Almost every car has cruise control now. But uh, my car has the cruise control, and then a lot of them have the gap finder too. <clears throat> where the, I didn't understand the gap finder first, but it's how many gaps behind the car in front of you you can be. And, and, and it really kind of relates to people in life. They just start moving down the road and, boy, they want to start out and really do a lot for God and all, but they just get on that cruise control of a certain speed. And I set my speed at always the speed limit, uh, whatever the speed limit is, and uh, 70 mile an hour on an interstate. And all of a sudden, it feels like I'm going slow. And I don't understand it. What, what has happened here? Because I know, you know, I got my cruise control set. Well, what's happened is I've come up behind a car, and the car is going 55. And as you all know, your car just slows down to the speed of the car in front of you. And I heard Mark Crow say this years ago out in Tulsa uh, 
if you're in the back of the pack, the view is always the same. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, <laughs> actually, he said, if you're in the back of a pack of animals, the view is always the same. <laughs> but, but all of a sudden, I realized, that, oh, my goodness, I'm going 50 mile an hour here. And so I quickly go around and surge ahead to get back to 70. People find something to get behind, and it's comfortable. Everybody know what I'm talking about? No stress, no worries, no concerns, no anxiety, no moments of, it's just everything is okay, I can handle it. They're not saying it like this, but I don't need the miracle working power of God to get through my day. What the heck? The bell, things just go on the same over and over and over again. And it's like Pavlov's dog. Uh, the bell rings, the dog eats. I think that's how it goes. I'm getting a little bit off my message right now. But anyway, <clears throat> back to John chapter 5, uh, verse 30, and John chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus said, I, I judge as the Father. Matter of fact, I want to read that to you because uh, sometimes we can take the Scripture and, and that we don't need to be judgmental of people, which is true. Everybody say, that's true. But we're also to imitate Jesus. Everybody say, I am called to imitate Jesus. Now, in John chapter 5, verse 30, this is what Jesus said. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I what? I judge. As I hear... I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own, but the will of the Father. What Jesus is saying is the Spirit of the living God is leading him to make a call about situations. And there is a fine line between saying, don't judge anybody lest you be judged, Let's enable everybody so they'll just not be upset. We're living in an enablement society. Oh, you're okay. You're not okay. The book that Pam quoted one time, uh, I, I remember reading that book years ago. I'm okay, you're okay? <laughs> if you don't have Jesus and if you're not following Jesus, you're not okay and I'm not okay. And that Jesus did judge based on the word of God and the leading Holy Spirit. John chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus said, I come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of the Father who sent me. We are to be imitators of Jesus. We are born again now. We have been saved. We have the power of the Holy Spirit working in our life. Now we are on an assignment from God to be what he has called us to be. And that it's the miracle working power of God that will bring that to pass. In other words, whatever God tells you to do, there will be a miracle to perform that if you'll position yourself. But don't try to figure it out and stay in that lane behind something in front of you, not moving ahead like he's called you to do. And back to that trip to Lima, Peru. During that period of time, I don't even know if I've ever shared this with you, Pam. During that period of time, I was really struggling with my life and what I was going to do with the rest of my life. 
And uh, it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are, God has a plan for where you are right now in your, in your life. And so I was really struggling, and we're on the airplane, and John, it was John and I and on the airplane meeting Terry. Terry might have been on the plane. It did, it's irrelevant. <clears throat> Going down there on that plane, uh, I was just praying. I had my prayer journal and writing things down, and, and, and the things I was writing down, just uh, they just were beyond my comprehension to really believe that God could use me like that. And I was writing it down, and, and God said, I'm going to do a miracle in Lima, Peru, that you will know that it had to be me, absolutely me. It will be such a miracle. It will amaze you. And I thought, okay. And, you know, I, I was excited about it, but I didn't know exactly what it meant. We ministered in several different places. We saw people healed. We saw people uh, receive Christ. We, we saw miracles. So it was, I want this to come out the right way. We saw miracles, but we'd seen those before. So it wasn't like, oh, I just saw a miracle. I mean, it's always like that when you see a miracle, but it's like we'd seen miracles before, but thank God. But I didn't, how many of you realize when God shows you something and you see something that looks like it, but in your spirit, it's like, no, this is not it. This is not it. This is, this is not what I told you. That's kind of, I didn't hear it like that, but that's what I felt in my spirit. And I thought, well, maybe I just heard wrong because I can write something down that I feel, but maybe it's not from God. And so Terry wants to go shopping. Most of you have probably heard this story before. Some of you watch, you maybe haven't, but it solidified in my spirit that God is a miracle working power. And whatever he wants us to have, we will have. Whatever he wants us to possess for him and his glory, we will possess it for his glory. And so Terry wants to go shopping, and I don't want to go with him. John wants to go. John and Terry are going to go shopping. I want to stay in the hotel. And when they both said they were going to go, I thought, this is awesome. They're gone. I'm alone. I love to be alone. And uh, so, but, but I couldn't get that peace in my spirit. And so finally, I just wrestled with them. Okay, I'm supposed to go. I called them up. They waited on me. I went downstairs. We go out. We get lost. And I'm, you know, it, it was fascinating seeing the whole area of Peru. I think it's six or seven million people that live in that city. It's in, they were, it's in the book somewhere. It says, I think they were all on our block where we're walking. We're walking down these side streets trying to find a place that Terry had been to before. We get totally lost. I think, this is great. Yeah, I, I could have been in the hotel right now. And, and I'm just about. Now, this is where people are in life. Something happens, and they get a little bit, you know, kind of concerned themselves. I could have turned around. I could have walked away at that moment. But God was still working on what he told me. So you don't want to get involved in thinking what you think. I'm going to say that again. You said, don't get involved thinking what you think. Find out what God thinks, and then you think that. And that's exactly where we're going next in the scripture in uh, Isaiah 55. <clears throat> but, but as we're walking down this street, uh, Terry says, I'll find a local Peruvian and they'll be able to direct us back to the hotel. Sounds great. They're walking down. A lady walks out from a little sidewalk cafe or whatever. And uh, they engage her in conversation. I walk on down to the end of the block, standing there just looking at them, and they're engaged. I can tell she's probably giving directions. And I come back. As I'm walking back, a lady looks at me, and she says, It's you! It's you! It's you! And she starts screaming. And she starts running toward me. I'm totally in a state of shock. She grabs me and hugs me. 
She's an older woman, honey. <laughs> she, she grabs me and starts hugging me and won't let me go. Terry and John are standing there with their mouths open. And I said to the woman, do I know you? She said, yes, I've been to your church in Indiana, in America. I've been to your church. I said, you've been to our church? She said, yes. I prayed God would send me somebody. Oh, I have this problem. God has sent you. And she walked me down to the, she said, you guys stay here. And she walked me down to the end of the sidewalk. And she told me this horrible story. And she said, I know God has sent you. And I prayed for her. She just was weeping and weeping with joy. And we came back and just said our pleasantries and left. And when I walked away from that, I feel like the Lord said, I told you I was going to do something that you knew. When you're on an assignment from God, God will either show up and fulfill that assignment for you, or you're on the wrong assignment. What we have to do is not be prideful and think, everything I do is of God. No, we're going to miss it along the way. We're going to make mistakes. But though we fail, we shall arise. Though we fall, we shall arise. Don't think everything you're going to do is be perfect. If God is telling you to do something, it's going to happen exactly the way God said. If you try to do something God told you to do and it doesn't work out, it wasn't God. I remember, and I love Pastor Hackett, Charles Hackett, but when we went to Tulsa and I was going to work at the City of Faith, and I knew God was going to give me the job in human resources, and I was going to help Oral Roberts in the medical center, and I was going to help God, and it was going to be absolutely awesome. I remember talking to Charles uh, back here one time, and he said, well, Bill, he said, you know, sometimes people can miss it. You know, they can just make a mistake, and, you know, they can stop what God has for you. And I, and I know that's true, that sometimes people can miss it, but I found out in my life, no man is going to stop God's plan for my life if I do what God said. And it's the same thing for you. If you're doing what God told you to do, God's miracle working power is going to work. But if you get distracted by something, like driving down the interstate, and you're locked in at 55 and you think you're going 70, a lot of people think they're okay. They're not okay. They're not okay at all. They're just going through the motions of life, but they're not happy. I see them all the time. They're not fulfilled. And you'll say to somebody, you know, hey, how are you doing today? You know, I'm doing great. No, they're not doing great because you know by the Spirit they're not doing great. So what we've got to do is get to the point when we know that the miracle working power is going to bring us through. Now, in, in, the, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, it's pretty much a familiar scripture to everybody in this church because we've, I, I've been in and out of it quite a bit. I think Pam has too. It's a, and the reason is because it's such a powerful scripture. And God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. For the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God is not telling us. He doesn't want us to know what he thinks. He wants us to seek what he thinks so that we can have thoughts that are higher than ours. For as the heaven, rain comes down, the snow from heaven, and does not return there, but waters the earth, and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sore and bread of the water. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It will accomplish what it was intended and what I sent it for. 
We're going to accomplish what God sent His word for in the Sudan. We're going to build another orphanage in Nuba Mountains. We're going to build another orphanage in Juba. We are going to do what God has called us to do through Victory World Outreach because God has given the vision and the purpose. Now, with that comes the passion. I think you know I have that passion because of what God has put in my heart. God has the same thing for you. Not the orphanage, not the Sudan. He has something for you that will produce that passion, that what He is putting in your heart. You're feeling and getting glimpses and pieces of it right now in your prayer journal if you're not allowing yourself to be distracted. There, the, I, I, believe, I believe one of the books God has given me to read is about distraction. One of the biggest challenges is not sin, I believe. And somebody's going to say, huh? I believe it's distraction. And distraction causes the sin. David had a distraction, King David, a man after God's own heart. The sin was what he did with Bathsheba, but the real problem was he became distracted. He did not recognize the distraction in his life. you got to be so fine-tuned that you recognize the distraction. Now, when, when in Jeremiah, it, it, it says it just a little bit differently, but it's very similar. In Jeremiah 29, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts for peace and not of evil, to give you future and a hope, that you will call upon me and go and pray, and I will listen to you, and I will seek, you will seek me and find me when you search for me. The word thoughts means intentions, purposes, and plans. So what this says is, I know the intention and the thought and the plan that I have for you. He's no respecter of persons. Everybody say, he's no respecter of persons. So what happens then is that we know that God knows what he wants us to know and do with the rest of our life. And the biggest challenge that I have had and still have is my age. don't like to admit it, but I do. I thank God. I, I actually, I said this. I have it in my prayer journal. I say, God, do you know how old I am? And I felt the Lord said, yes, I know how old you are. <laughs> it was kind of humorous. And I thought, God, do you know how old I am? And then I got, and, and, and then for this message as I was praying about it, and I said, God, I, const- I constantly have to put this off and fight this thought. You're like, okay, we need a younger guy to do this or whatever. Now, God did tell me in my prayer journal, I'm going to restore your youth. He's restored both of my knees, so I guess that's true. I'm younger than everybody here, uh, unless you've had a knee replacement just recently. Uh, but anyway, we, we get to the point when we don't look at what has happened, we look at the point of what God said. And I felt like the Lord showed me for this message. Joshua was 80 when he got into leadership. Well, heck, I'm okay. Uh, Abraham didn't leave home until he was 75. How would you like to have been his parents? I don't think I'd like to have been Abraham's parents. 75 years old, he's still hanging around the house. A- Abraham was 100 when Isaac was born. And today, I called to see because God gave me a word back. Well, I found out today, in 1987. In 1987, God gave me a word that your ministry will be connected with uh, Feed the Hungry. I, we, we didn't even have a ministry at the time. But I know, I know now what that means. And I talked to the lady up there, and I said, I need to know how old was Dr. Sumwall when he got the vision in Israel to start Feed the Hungry, which is impacting the entire world. She said, well, I'm not exactly sure. He was born in 1913, and he got the vision in 1987. That vision is impacting the world 
and he was 74 years old when he came back and shared the vision at Victory, not at Victory Christian Center, but at Victory's meeting in a hotel uh, for him. I think it was a hotel. And he shared that God gave him the vision that in the end times, the greatest need will be food and water. And he is absolutely, he's in heaven now, but he's impacting the world. And he was 74 years old when that happened. So let's all say, I'm not that old. Oh, wait, wait, that's not exactly true, is it, Bill? <laughs> well, well, we'll skip on that one. Now, in Matthew chapter 16, uh, we're going to couple more scriptures now. <laughs> Bill and I are basically the same age. He's a child compared to me. Glory to God, he's younger. Matthew chapter 16, uh, the Lord was showing me that I believe what this is really saying is, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What does that mean, take up his cross? We're not going to be Arthur Blessed unless that's what God's called you to do. Take up your purpose. Take up your purpose and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit is it of a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Have you seen how some of these wealthy people that have gotten saved? Uh, I've been reading some of them because um, um, I want to go visit them. Uh, they've gotten saved, and the founder of uh, oh, the big uh, store uh, uh, over on Main uh, uh, 52, Hobby Lobby. Uh, the founder of Hobby Lobby, uh, there were two, but the one uh, founder, uh, he's all about giving away all of his money now. Uh, he's a multi-billionaire. He's wanting to give away all of his money. I'd like to help him. I'd like to meet with him. Uh, I'm going to meet with him if God will open the door. I believe that. What will, what, will, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? In other words, when it's all done, uh, it's not going to be about how much money we made, what our grass looked like, how much water we put on it or didn't put on it. Uh, it's going to be all. It's going to be all. <laughs> you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, but but it's going to be what what did we do in relationship to what God called us to do? What did God call me to do? Now listen to this, verse 27. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father with all of the angels, and He will reward each person according to his work. I believe that word means this. He will record each person according to what was the purpose I had for your life and what did you do with that purpose. Now don't misconstrue. There's a mansion in heaven for everybody that knows Jesus, but there are going to be rewards in heaven. What are the rewards going to be based on? I believe they're going to be based on did you fulfill God's purpose for your life on this earth. Don't miss your reward and get there and find out what you could have had because we're not in it for the reward. We're in it to bring glory to God. Now, <clears throat> this set me free when I first heard this scripture and we'll end with this one, but it's Romans 8.28. And when God was opening the door for us and for me uh, uh, and for all of what we were doing out there in Tulsa, uh, this word really set me free, that God will use all things for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I knew the stuff that was in my life and my background, and I did not know how God could ever use somebody like me. I used to think they made mistakes at victory, 
because they kept opening doors for Panama. Now, you guys would never do this if you really knew our background. But that's not true. Billy Joe Dory was led by the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit showed him to do something, he did it. And you and I have to be the same way. We have the same spirit. So therefore, whatever God is showing us to do, we are equipped to do it because of Almighty God. The only reward that we need to hear is on earth, but also in heaven. Well done, my good and faithful servant. This is what I want to leave you with before we pray. Are there some changes that you need to make in your life? I talked to somebody recently, and they told me some things that, that they needed to change. And uh, my counsel was, do it. Are there some things that you need to begin doing that you aren't doing? And are there some things that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing? Are you really ready to fulfill your God-given destiny? Now, I want to just give you an admonition. It's going to sound like a firm word, and maybe it is. But if you know that you are doing things that you shouldn't be doing, God loves you, but if he's showing you to stop doing it and do something else and you refuse to do it, God can't trust you. And I want to say that again. God cannot trust you if he's shown you what to do and you won't do it. He loves you, but he can't trust you. That's a little heavy, but I don't care. But let me lighten it just a little bit. How many of you at home and how many of you here have raised more than one child? How many of you have found that within the multitude of the children, there were some that you could trust more than others and that you needed to use the old Russian proverb, trust but verify. Yes, I'll try to take you at your word, but because of your past, I'm going to verify what you're saying because in the future, I mean in the past, I have not been able to trust you. And so it isn't a heavy message, but it is a message that the greatest freedom you'll ever have, I believe, is knowing that you're in the center of God's will, pursuing the purpose that God has for you with a passion. We're going to pursue our purpose with passion. Let's pray. Father, I pray for every person watching tonight. I pray that in Jesus' name, they'll get their prayer journal out, they'll get their Bible out if they don't, and they'll find that time every single day when they'll be in the Word, that they'll be hearing from you. Lord, in my life, I love to read your Word, but Lord, the most important thing for me is to get my pen out and get my prayer journal out and say, God, I love you. What do you have for me today? Show me. Show me what you have for me. And when I feel that in my spirit and start to write, it's just so precious, God. And I want everybody to enjoy that. Just journaling, 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 chronicling, 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 uh, just as the vision pours out on the pages and the communication that we receive from you. I pray that there'll be a desire in every person's life to fulfill their God-given destiny and that it will begin with that prayer journal and living the Word of God 
and being led by the Holy Spirit. And if you're watching tonight and you would say, Pastor, I, I, I'm not good at that at all. I haven't, I haven't done that. I, I've drifted away from really being plugged into the things of God. I'm more involved in television and technology and all this kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with feeling bad about what you're doing. As a matter of fact, until you feel bad about what you're doing, you're going to drift with it. You're just locked in. But when the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes and it says you're missing my best, it makes us feel bad because we're separating ourselves from you. And I pray that you'll make a decision tonight to let go of those things. So let's make this confession of our faith right now. Lord, my desire is to serve you and to be all that you've called me to be. Help me to change. Convict me of areas where I'm missing it. And show me the purpose for my life. I believe there's purpose for my life. I believe that for you out there. And maybe you're watching, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let, let this be that moment. Don't live another day without knowing that your eternal destination is heaven. Let's pray together. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I've sinned and I've missed it. I've made mistakes. But I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and direct my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you and to be all that you've called me to be. For those of you that are watching somewhere around the world, have no idea who it might be, I would suggest that you call Victory Christian Center and get a copy of this book that I believe the Lord wrote, Make the Best of the Rest, 765-447-7777. We will send you as many copies as you would like, and I believe it will be a blessing to you. Go and be blessed. We love you, and God has an awesome plan for your life. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, let's say it. Thanks be to God. Oh, no, forget about it. I'll just say it. Thanks be to God for His Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm messing it up. <laughs> Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Boy, I screwed that up. Be blessed. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And know that your labor is not in vain. See, Pam, I needed you.